Welcome to Moody's Mixer, Winning with Prostate Cancer. I want to welcome you to a new episode of Winning with Prostate Cancer. This is a new journey for me. It's something I've just started the last three months. I got my diagnosis back in July. But this journey is taking a real hard turn for my life. And I want to kind of talk about that. And this episode is probably for me more than anything else. There's some things that have kind of come over me today as I was working, watching some documentaries. There's some things that really hit me hard today. And I want to talk about those things. We do have a special guest on this episode. It's another 50-year-old friendship. In Ann Arbor, I had a paper route. Actually, I had two paper routes. And I got turned on to these paper routes by my friend, Dr. Troy Anthony Adams. And you'll hear from him real soon. But we competed in paper routes. We used to call each other in the morning, five in the morning. That's when we had to deliver the Detroit Free Press. And we've been friends, really brothers ever since. You'll hear his story and our story of our friendship for over 50 years. And I'd like to introduce to you Dr. Anthony Troy Adams. You know, my mother always wanted me to be very independent. So, you know, she taught me how to wash my own clothes when I was nine or 10, so I washed my own clothes. And then by the time, you know, she died when I was 15, you know, I was probably 13 or 14 when I started buying my own clothes. Yeah. I mean, my, you know, my brother didn't say, okay, let's, let's get your clothes together for the, you know, school year. Those were decisions I made. Yeah. When I wanted to, you know, when I wanted to do it, they didn't necessarily fall by the season. You know yep. what I'm saying? Yep. I mean, if I felt I, I wanted some new, some new jeans, consult with anybody to get them because I always had my own money. Yeah. We always had money, Tony, because we always worked. I mean, we were dishwashers. We both were dishwashers at the Pretzel Bell. I was a dishwasher also at Howard Johnson. You know, so. We was always working. That's once we started driving, you know, and those skills now coming into play. So, Tony, you were the one who was responsible for us having Detroit Free Press, the early morning paper we had to deliver. And, you know, growing up in Michigan, you know, you had some cold days. and But I think that made us who we are today and why we continuously fight and go forward and, you know, just never stop growing. So I want to thank you personally for that paper route, having me out in 20 below zero. And I know people think we're exaggerating, but I, th- I think you have some some proof to that. Farmer's Almanac. Yep, Farmer's okay. Almanac. Yep. Okay. And you can get weather to the day going back um, probably to... 
to maybe the early 1900s. Yeah, yeah, okay. you can go back a century. Now, yeah, and now this is readily available online. So, so I was presenting this at a conference, and so I said, you know what? I'm not going to exaggerate. I'm going to go look it up in the in farmer's almanac. Some of the temperature that we were delivering the paper in, Corey, with the wind chill factor was like the equivalent of like 20 to below zero on some of those mornings we were out delivering the paper. You know, no matter what gets thrown in our face or gets thrown in our everyday life, you know, we have to be diligent, disciplined, dedicated to getting it done. You know, it can't just be about lip service, you right. know, uh, you know, and that's why, you know, you know, even, you know, 17 years ago when my blood pressure was high and cholesterol was high, I just said, there's no way I'm getting no medication. You know, I just got, mm-hmm. I just got to. Get my body together, lose this weight, start working out. You know, that's when I start running masters, you know. So it's just how our life experiences just leads us and who we are today. You know, it's it's years of our experiences and our upbringing, you know, our culture. You know, that's what makes life good, you know. And, you know, just being able to kind of share that stuff. Because I was watching something on Motown, and Barry Gordy, you know, he delivered the Michigan Chronicle. He used to collect, had to collect money when he sold his papers. And seeing the determination and drive he had as a young kid delivering papers, and when I saw that, it really hit me hard because that's what you and I went through. You know, we were paper boys. But we love those paper routes, and those paper routes really meant a lot to us because it was like we had our own business, and we did. So you have to understand paper routes back in the 70s that had paper boys, and your supervisor would drop your papers off every morning in a bundle, and you had to roll them, wrap them, however you found it best, to deliver the papers. And we used to have these um, big sacks that we had. We used to carry around our necks, and we had a big route. You have both of them. You crossed them around your neck. You had it full of papers. Now, Sundays, you couldn't do that because Sundays was the thick paper, you know, and then you had the stuffings. But just, Mm -hmm. you know, what Barry Gordy went through to to build what he built, you know, right. you know, and it was so hard back then because, you know, segregation was still okay. It right. was, it was still the, the, the legal, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, I was just thinking about us, you know, you know, and I, that's when the paper route came up and I started talking. I said, wait a minute, I got to get Tony on the line. You, if we just started over at Clegg, uh, mm-hmm. when your mother passed, and I remember you having to leave school um, that day, and I, I'll never forget that because you were the first person that I knew had lost a parent, you know, 
uh, I've you know I've heard people losing grandparents, but right. never but never losing a parent. So that day sticks with me. These are the days in my life I can't quit. Knowing what I felt like and not being able to know what my best friend felt like. These are the days that I'm drawing from now to know that this cancer has no chance. And I'm going to beat this thing. But it's because of relationships that I have in my life. And I'm going to keep drawing on these relationships and let them know how much they mean to me and and the strength that I'm gaining from it. We're on the football field. My nephew, Mark ran onto the football field in the middle of our practice while we were and start grab my jersey and start pulling on me. Said, we gotta go. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm I'm in practice right now. He's like, we gotta go. We just gotta go. We gotta go. So then I can't remember what happened next, but then I found out that mom had died. Right. He had come up there to get me his mother. Uh, Anita, yeah, and I think one of my other siblings, I don't know, Janice or somebody, was in the car, and they had uh, come to get me to take me take me back to the um, the Green Road, right. and um, she had died uh, died at the hospital, and they asked me that I want to go to the hospital, and I said no, mm-hmm. I said no because I didn't I didn't want to see her like that, right, right. Uh, just knew that wasn't a, a life she wanted and understanding how you want to see people how people want to see you those are choices we get to make and that's why this journey is so important to me because I know how I want my journey how my quality of life to be and I want to take control of that so I'm just reaching out to you also to come on board with me because I need the support. I need the help because it's tough. This is not easy. But I want a good quality of life myself. And I want people to see me when I die that it was, I was okay. That's what makes life so fulfilling now. That I can control my body I could control the treatment that I want to provide for myself, which is going to allow me to control my outcome of my life and the physical part. That's what's so important for me. So go back to your doctor and physician and have that conversation so you understand what's really going on with your physical health. You want a, a better understanding. Just understand what's going on. And then you can choose the treatment. It may be what your physician is is offering. But at least have the options to make those decisions to get the information. That was kind of traumatic for me because here's, you know, 
my best friend just lost his mother. I've never known anyone to lose a parent, you know, so, you know, that young, you right. know. Oh, yeah. And Yeah, and, I mean, it's, it's, it's always, uh, it's, I don't want to say it's odd, but I just think of it like, well, I mean, it's a blessing, but it's always been kind of awkward for me when people would be as adults talking about their relationship with their parents right as adults because i'm like i don't know what that's like right like to be 30 years old to be 40 years old to be 50 years old and and still be talking about your relationship with one or both of your parents just like that's like amazing to me right like and then I hear somebody, you know, talking about this, that, or the other. I'm like, you better kiss up, do whatever you, whatever you have to do, man. Right. You know how much of a blessing it is to have both of your parents still alive. Yep. You're an adult, right? I can't even, I can't even fathom what that's like. Right. It's so yeah, I have no concept of it, yeah. other than my experience with other people whose parents were still alive as adults. Right. Say the, the relationship you had with mom and dad actually blessed me. You know, as I said a little earlier, that you know, when I left high school, you know, you kind of took over our spots. You were in your, you know, 20s and 30s, you know, you had that relationship with mom and dad. And I always kind of, you know, remember like, man, that's, I can't wait to have that relationship with mom and dad again. And, you know, and I was able to do that. You know, um, in Las Vegas, their last, you know, 16 years of their life. You know, so that relationship with my parents was um, important. And um, I treasure it. And, you know, those words, you know, that you just said really, you know, hits home for me. And And I appreciate it. You know, even traveling with them overseas, when I was running and at world championships, taking the kids, you know, to those track meets and, you know, just getting out of the country and just, you know, spending that good family time was, you know, really special and it's been special to me. And, and you know, having them in my 40s and 50s, man, it, it was it was a blessing. And I, I picked their brain as much as I could to get all the information, you know, you know for the rest of my life. And, that strength they gave me, you know, was, was helping me fight through this. The story that you told me when you were a teacher, and we bumped, you know, bumped into a parent when we were kids, you know, and you t- right. get ready to teach them, and them telling you, they didn't think you would turn out to be anything, you know, and yeah. it's just funny how judgment just comes into our into our lives, and we can let things or what people really think about us. You know, control our outcomes, and, and we don't, we yeah. don't, ha- we don't have to, man. And you know, for and, th- and that experience that you were referring to was, I had bumped into her one time at the Cray Harrow Classroom Building, which is in the center of Eastern Michigan University campus, and she was there for a night class, and she called me, and I saw her, and I sat down, spoke with her for a minute, and she said she she used to think I was a bad kid. Because I lived in the Green Road Public Housing Project. Yep. 
Yep. Yeah, so, man. Guilt, guilt by association. Here's a fresh start. You know, if you haven't been to the doctor, you haven't been checked up, go ahead and do it now. And you can start on the plan of your choice. Now, if you're already on a plan and, you know, there's some things you might want to do different, still have that conversation. But for us who have not gone and don't have any diagnosis, go ahead and find out so you can control it. And then live your life. But at least know so you can have a better quality of life because you know what you need to do. So find out. Don't be judged. Don't judge yourself and what you need to do with your health. Uh, I, but your but but your parents initially, you know, they they actually were trying to get me to um, to go to Morehouse with you. I, well, I think I think first of all, I probably may have honestly had some kind of fear of leaving home because of the certain comfort zone there. And uh, well, you know, a big part of it was football too because I wanted to play football. And I thought that if I at least played in the Mid-American Conference, I might have a shot at, right. you know, a long shot, but a shot of, you know, getting to the next level. So, um, uh, referred walk-on at uh, Central Michigan University. And then uh, the last minute, Eastern Michigan said they were going to give me a little scholarship money football side that's where that's how i ended up at eastern mm-hmm. so yeah and that was uh that was short-lived that whole college ball experience was just uh shocker in some ways <laughs> playing football you know coaches seem to provoke fights among players as a route to camaraderie i didn't get that and it just i didn't find it joyous anymore it wasn't fun you know coming to practice lacing up wasn't fun anymore and um and then the sort of the last thing that kind of did it for me was they had football camp and then they literally put chains on the doors and locked the dormitory so you couldn't get out at night Get unchained. Ask questions. Get free to take control of your health. I was like, huh? <laughs> That's dangerous. I mean, you know, I mean, my my thing is, um, my thing is, I'm an adult here, you know, and uh, you know, a responsible one. If you say the curfew is you know 10 30 11 o'clock then i'm gonna honor the curfew system you don't have to put chains on the doors i don't have to sign in sign out kind of thing i'm like what is this so uh the thrill the thrill is gone bro so it's funny you say that about football and i never and i never knew this and you know we were real close Right, and if anything, I thought you would have played hockey because you you were a great hockey player. 
you and Scotty McFadden both were great hockey players. And if anything, I thought you guys would have played college hockey, but we well, are talk we, we, we are talking the seventies. <laughs> right. Well you know what's interesting about that and then, you know, hockey was always my first love because right. you know, I started playing hockey before I started playing football. Correct. Okay. And um but the thing is is that neither one of the schools that I was talking about going to had hockey. They didn't have hockey at Central Michigan, ironically, as cold as it is up there in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And they didn't have varsity hockey at uh, at Eastern Michigan either. So after I gave up the football thing, Eastern Michigan had a club hockey team, okay? And so I was on that team. It was my midget coach, Tom Eman, who was the head coach of the club hockey team at Eastern Michigan. Here was the dilemma. Man, we had to go all the way downtown, downtown Detroit to practice at the old Olympia Stadium. You know, Olympia Stadium where the Red Wings play? Yeah. That's where we would practice because there was no other ice time uh, available for us to play at either Veterans Ice Arena or Yost Fieldhouse, okay? And at that time, that predated the, uh, oh, wow. You know, oh. The only thing I tell somebody is that, you know, getting old is cruel. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, I know last In time we way. talked, we talked about um, ice baths. Did you, did you ever try that yeah. ice bath in contrast? Yeah, I did try contrast. I did it the one time, man. I did it the one time, but I, I couldn't pull myself together to do it again. You know, my <laughs> girl put all that damn ice in the tub. Well, I know it, it, it but, helped. Uh, it helped heal me as a as a master's athlete that those ice baths allows my body to recover much faster. Um, yeah, you know the aches and pains are not theirs. Um, you know, of course, then you take the hot shower, man, you know, that doing that contrast, you know, it's a good feeling, man. I, that's something, oh, yeah. that's something I said, Tony would like this. Cause I, Tony would. One experience I had with it, it was, uh, it shit felt, felt real good. And I was, I slept like a baby too. Right. So what prevents us from doing remedies and treatments that help our bodies? You know, it shouldn't be fear. It shouldn't be not knowing. There's too much information out here that we can find out to really take control of our health. And I'm saying under the, you know, guidance of a physician. There are physicians out there who want to heal you, who want to heal us. And so if that's a route you want to take, take that route. And there are doctors that are out there who want to heal our bodies. Don't be afraid. Get tested. Find out what's going on. Let me know what's happening. I need all the support I can get. I want to support you. You're going to need support. It's, it's hard to do it by yourself. But I'm saying, find out. Get the information. You know, I have a new production now. You know, mm -hmm. I, you know I juice. 
about two hours a day, you know, in the morning, I may get another session in an afternoon or evening, or I just okay. take a good two hours in juice. Cause then I'm drinking about 90 ounces of, you know, fruits and veggies every day. Uh, okay. And so, so that's, you know, that's part of my new production and, you know, and then, you know, I've been getting right. these IVs, I've been getting vitamin C IV. Get older, man, you know, getting older is a, is a Mickey ficky, you know, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's funny because I, I cook everything now, you know, because uh, I want to okay. make sure I know what's in all my food. I want, you know, I want to make sure everything's organic, you know, right. um, so no, I can, can really control what's going in my body. So that's a production. So I got two new oh, yeah. things now that are productions in my life. You know, mm -hmm. and it's funny you use that term because I just, I thought it in my brain just the other day. I said, man, this is a whole new production, you oh, know, yeah. and, but that's the, the path I chose, you know, I, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I could easily, I don't know about easily, but I can go get chemo, get it removed and just not have to live that type of life. But, right. but the side effects are not worth it for me. I'd rather do this part than okay. to give it up for, you know, the possible side effects. And, you know, you go through those things and cancer still can come back. You know, nothing guarantees oh, yeah. it not coming back, you know. So, yeah. you know, I just say, you know what, well, this is my new production, you know. And if you, mm -hmm. if you do one or the other type of treatment, you know, you, you have those new productions in life, period. You know, at some point... Life just takes a turn and it's different. Oh, yeah. You know, I know you just left as the dean at Alabama State and you're going over to another university. So, can you just kind of tell us, you know, uh, where you are, how we can find you? Uh, at another HBCU and that institution, Kentucky State University. And so, I now serve uh, as the uh, director of the Atwood Institute for Race, Education, and the Democratic Idea, which is uh, an institution, an institute that uh, was founded by M. Christopher Brown in 2017. And the whole ideal of the institute is to provide a a location, a physical meeting place for constituents to to talk about, to plan, and to be able to deal with issues related to dismantling negative stereotypes associated with race and ethnicity, gender identification, and economic class differences, and then the third component of that uh, institute is to train emergent leaders in uh, conflict resolution and mediation. And it also has a research component to, uh, to deal with disparities related to wealth, health, education, and any other pre-existing disparities that exist those days of uh, 
playing for for Little Caesars and OJ. Yep, yeah. And that old crazy knuckleball. He yeah, man, throw. he used to throw that knuckleball at us, man. <laughs> that thing we used to be dancing, man. We was like, dang. Like, we, what the hell is this? We we actually started laughing. I remember laughing because I've never seen a baseball do that. <laughs> I know it was weird, man. It was just. Freaky it's, is what it was. Until you see a knuckleball come at you, man, you don't know nothing else, man. But I want to thank you for taking this time. And, and I'm going to call you back because there's a couple of more things I want to go over. Because I'm, I'm trying to do this with excellence, man, because, you know, we've, we've all worked hard, you know, to right. get to where we are in our life. And, you know, this journey I'm on is just telling me that, you know, I can do this. And, you know, the oh, relationship yeah. we had growing up and, you know, as, as hard as we worked as kids and to now, I know that, um, you know, I'm going to get through this. And I appreciate you, you know, always being there and, you know, being a good friend and pushing me the way you did, you know. And I just want to say thank you, man. And, you know, I look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, man, absolutely. Love you, bro. Love you whatever, too, man. Whatever you need, man. Okay, man. Love you. I've been able to draw from friends like Dr. Troy Adams. You know, a young man who grew up in a housing project, who was told by and thought of as by adults, someone not being able to do anything achieving his Ph.D. from the University of Michigan at, by the age of 30, becoming a professor and a dean at universities, and now giving me the strength again, as he did when we were 10. And I want to say thank you, Dr. Adams, for your friendship. delivering papers at 20 below zero when you're 13, 14, being a dishwasher, having a knuckleball thrown at you, dancing as you sit in the batter's box, not knowing what that ball is going to do. Do you take a swing? Do you get out of the batter's box? Well, with friendships and experiences in my life, I'm going to stand in the batter's box and swing and hit that knuckleball. I'm going to learn to hit it. You can learn to beat your ailments. You can learn to beat prostate cancer. You don't have to fear it. Stand in that batter's box. Take the swing. Hit it at the park. I just want to thank you for tuning in to this podcast. And I look forward to to hearing from you. Again, you can reach me at Corey M at Moody Bennett Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your week.